Hey, what's good, people? You're wondering why there's a four-camera set. What the hell is going on? This is still the Option Podcast, but I'm going a four-way camera for the first time because this episode's important, okay? That's Ashley Clark. That's Colin Henry. That's Leon Blazer. And the episode starts right now. Hey, welcome. This is episode 191, maybe 192. Who knows? Who cares? Along with Ashley Clark, along with Colin Henry and Leon Blazer, I am Jason DeBeas, and this is The Option. Welcome aboard, people. Hello. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for having me. So... The cool thing is this this is this podcast is dedicated to ex- exclusively club coaching. Um, it's interactive, so it's not an interview. That means the other coaches get to ask the other coaches questions because I'm sure you guys, having uh, d- representing different regions, will definitely have questions for each other. So let's do a little introduction. I'm going to start with myself first. I'm Jason DeBeas. I'm the I'm the, the head volleyball coach of the 16s Los Angeles Volleyball Club. Jason Alves, the director here in LA. Hi, I am Ashley Clark. I currently coach for Surfside Volleyball Club in um, Los Angeles, led by Haley Blanchard, and I coach the 18 gold team. 18s? 18s. Awesomeness. Hey, what's up, peeps? I'm Colin Henry from New York City. I'm the executive director for All-Star Empire Volleyball Club out of Bronx, Riverdale, and New York City, and also the executive director for our Western Connecticut Volleyball Club, second year out of New Milford, Connecticut. God bless. Wow. Busy dude. He is Jamaican. Listen, all you got is two jobs? You only have two? How old are you, boy? 18? <laughs> and and last but certainly not least, go ahead, buddy. Hey, uh, Leon Blazer here out of Houston, Texas. I'm the executive director of the Houston Stars and Katie Stars Volleyball Club. We just started a second location this year, so um, started this out as a little tiny club, and now we're 35 something teams. And um, yeah, I've coached every age from 12s through 18s, and so uh, just trying to help help uh, the club grow and be successful. But uh, yeah, the, 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 greatest, the greatest challenge I had was going from Division One coaching straight into coaching 12. So it was like, <laughs> whoa. But, uh, nice. yeah, just love being a part of club volleyball and just yeah. love being able to say I do this for a living. So. Well, you, you come highly recommended by Eric Anderson. So um, any friend of Eric is – Eric is a friend of mine. Um, Eric Anderson, former USA coach, former USA juniors coach, uh, one of the handful of African-American coaches we have out there. And a um, little thing about Eric, since we're giving him a shout-out, um, yeah. Eric – um, from episodes 40 to 50, I had eight African-American coaches on. <laughs> Players oh, and coaches. Man. Like eight of the 10 uh, guests from 40 to 50, including 44, because 44th president is Barack Obama. So I did I, I did Dane Blanton because he was the first black yeah. uh, Olympic gold medalist uh, for volleyball, for indoor or outdoor for that matter. So, uh, you, put, so you, put, you put some thinking into this thing. Huh? Yeah, I did. Now, Patrick Dietz, you know him, <laughs> Colin, right? You know yeah. Patrick Dietz. He was one of them. Uh, Chris Austin. Um, probably, you know, when you're at Santa Barbara, I'm sure they played Irvine a bunch of times. Um, so yeah, um, you know, Chris Austin, right? Sure do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, just a great, uh, uh, conglomerate, Greg Faulkner. We all know, I mean, he's the international man of mystery, right? <laughs> Call France. Now the coach at Fairleigh Dickinson university. <laughs> all right. So let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's, let's, I want to talk about 
sales pitches, right? Because you have four different clubs and the four different levels of popularity, the four different regions. And my first question is, um, and I'll, I'll, it might be a harder question for some of you, but I'll, I'll give it to Ashley because it might be an easy question for her for <laughs> Surfside. What's like a sales pitch that would make some other kids come try out for your club? Like Surf, you were formerly with SCVC and you're now with Surfside, and those are two clubs where the sale it kind of sells itself because they've they have a longstanding reputation. But give me one or two things when someone's like, you know, my, I was my parents are like, I'm thinking about going to Surfside. What do you tell them? Um, so for me, I'm in the business to help kids and their families find the best fit for them and for what they're looking for in their athletic development or their future. So for me, I I try to really sell myself as a coach, my philosophy, um, one of the biggest ones being process over product and the important, uh, importance of developing um, and learning versus focusing on the wins. I think that's a byproduct when we create an environment that is learning and growing. Um, so for me, I kind of just show them who I am, um, both good, bad, and otherwise, and then let them decide what, you know, what they want to, whether they want to partake or whether they want to go somewhere else. Right. So Colin, Colin, um, yeah, so Colin, you have a very young club and I remember you were doing just clinics with New York City Juniors and New York City All-Stars and now it's a club. Um, so yeah. I'm going to ask you the question in two phases because yours is a unique set of circumstances. So one, my, my first question is, how did it turn into a club? And two, um, how's fishing for, for, for players going? All right. So it, it basically started, like you said, with me being at um, juniors. But my, my perspective goes a little wider than just kids that are playing club volleyball. I think more community based. And the minute I cross over into New York City community and step out of New York City and step out of the higher level income region, I'm stepping into a region where kids shy away from volleyball because of finances. And believe it or not, there are so many kids that are so talented in that department. And um, one of the reasons why I ended up starting a club was because, you know, my philosophy is more general based. You know, and I tried to get every single kid as much as possible involved, you know, even the ones that just cannot even phantom the idea of playing club because of how expensive it is, especially these days. So I kind of branch off with the idea that I will not look at a single parent or a single kid purse or checkbook until I am done with my tryouts and all the kids get offers and all the kids are accepted. And then once they get accepted into the club, then now it becomes my responsibility to find sponsors and do fundraising and make sure that these kids get what I promised them that they will get. So the whole idea of me starting a club is strictly based on helping and reaching as far as possible because someone did that for me in Jamaica. And Amen. I had to make a promise to that. Amen. Like someone reached out and pulled me in and said, listen, man, it's not necessarily about the money. It's about people that you surround yourself with that can help you. And as long as that person are willing to stick their neck out and find means and ways to help you to be successful and succeed, then, you know, it, it carries more value to me than a kid that can just sign a check because mm -hmm. they can sign a check the same way to go to college. The kids that are coming to my program, 
most of them cannot sign a check to play volleyball. They cannot sign so a check to go to college, but they're going to Columbia and Stanford and all those places. And then they look back, you know, and said, if this dude did not reach out and open his door for me, I would not be in this position. Amen. So that's how that's my motivation. That's what motivated me to start my own program. And we've been going now for 15, 16 years. Yeah. Wow. Which is why. Yeah. Which is why I now extend into Connecticut, because I realized that they're having the same problem up there and they had the same conversation with me. How can we get these kids involved? What is it that you did? What can we do? So now that we're settled here and I have Linford working with me, it makes my job a lot easier. So now I can extend into other areas and train other people to do the same thing. It is. You've, you've, the work you've done there, and I've been looking from afar, and I got to see some of it before I moved. Uh, just incredible stuff in New York City. Um, and Leon, Leon spent some time, a, a little time everywhere. Leon, we have this old saying, my next question to you, but I want to say we have this old saying um, in um, New York City. When there are talented players on the West Coast, it's the players. When there are talented right. players in the Midwest, it's the coaching. And when you're talented players on the East Coast, it's the immigration population. <laughs> what do you call a good East Coast player? Immigrant. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, Think about it's, when you play for Queens College, how many of those kids were American? Hey, man, we went to play out, out, out in Southampton and we have people waving American flags, cheering USA, USA. Okay, because there were no Americans. Well, we had two Americans on the team and they yeah. were on the bench. Yep, there you go. Hey, Americans, oh. hey, we make good cheerleaders too. Um, Leon, so you're, you're with Houston Stars, right? Um, and you're, you're in a region, if not a state, that has made... Uh, um, juniors volleyball brought new meaning to the term com competitive and gladiator yeah. pits. All right. Maybe, maybe someone in California pissed off someone in Texas that has oil money, but, but something happened the last 10 years where you, you go to nationals and every finals has a Texas team in it from pipeline to, to you, you can name them. Um, am, am I right? Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, we go, so I'm originally from Seattle. So like, I remember mm -hmm. when I was coaching Puget Sound region, we go to the Spokane qualifier and like every time you saw a Texas team, you're just like, ah, That's I, you know, it's yeah. like, mm -hmm. there's this target on their back. Cause you're like the Texas teams, they go every year. We're sitting there saying, where are the qualifiers we can go to? We go to the Northeast qualifier in Pennsylvania, we go to Spokane. We go, I mean, everywhere we go and it's just the Texas teams that are everywhere. Yeah. And they're picking up bids left and right, the USA tournaments. I mean, it's just, but it's hard. You go to the you go to the Lone Star Classic in Dallas. I mean, you, you just know that that's just a that's just a rep tournament. Like you're not winning anything there because it's just competition. Right. Yeah, the Lone Star tournament is like I forget it's, about. It's, that's yeah, like the yeah. Las Vegas Classic. Yeah, the Lone. Yeah, I mean the Red Rock. Yeah. Excuse me. Red Rock and Lone Star are, are on a virtual equilibrium. That is just yeah. yeah. That is insane. So my yeah. question to you, uh, Houston Stars. Parents are like, you know, there's 432, there's James Barker. James Barker drives all the way to Midland two and a half hours a day every day. That's five hours total, right? Back and forth. Um, this guy cares. He's got a competitive club. Then you got um, Pipeline, who's pretty good. Then you got, um, I forget the, the um, there's a real, there's, there's well, there's just we so have many. Texas on, Advantage. Yeah, Texas Advantage. There's so many on indoor and the beach. 692 has a really good, uh, yeah, it's, and 692 has a, a ridiculously good beach team. I mean, I coached them this summer and, and I met him in the finals for every age group and lost every single every single finals on center court in Hermosa Beach. I remember that well. So, um, 
What are you telling parents for you as a coach at, uh, that, that reflect upon yourself and the club and the sport of volleyball that makes a kid say, I want to play for this guy and I want to play for this club? Yeah, yeah something unique about us is just, uh, I mean, it's funny how many parents still come up with us. So there's about 70, I think it was 77 clubs last year just in Houston alone. There's 20,000 players in the Lone Star region. So it's just, it's a juggernaut down here. So when they look at that, there's a lot of options they can go to. And the number two club in the country is only five miles down the road from us. So if a parent walks in and says, I want my kid playing an open national championship, and I say, hey, Skyliner down the road, you know, it's not, we're not going to satisfy that need for your kid. But what we are going to do is for the people to come in and say, aren't you just that small club, you know, like on the corner? We still have kind of that small club feel where you feel like it's family, like year one. Every parent had my cell phone, 9 o'clock, we're texting back and forth, like, I love this family environment kind of thing. And now we're 400 athletes, you know, the number four largest club in the city. It's like, they don't have my cell phone anymore because that'd be crazy. But, you know, it's amazing still the, the, the environment that's been created where we have players and families that say, man, this is a culture that I want to be a part of. So we're not selling the Open National Championship, but what we're selling is we're going to take your kid, no matter where they're at, you know, five foot seven, feeling like they're getting pushed out of side, you know, getting dropped from the top clubs. I'm like, get in the gym and let me train you how to be as, where do you want to go? What's your goal in life? We're going to get you there. So um, it goes along with our coaches too that walk in and say, hey, I can't do anything with this team. You know, there's no talent here. And I said, well, your title is coach. And coach means you got to teach these kids how to be something great. So um, love what it is that we created, you know, because we're not, I came from one of the big clubs when I first moved to Houston before I started Houston Stars. And after my first season, you know, we won like half our matches. And I was like, man, this was awesome. Because what we're starting to create is a culture where it's the coaches come in. In nine years, I haven't lost a single coach uh, to another club. So that's a big testament for what we do. Coaches don't leave once they get here, you know. And so, God bless. And that's yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, for me as a director, you Look know, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Colin said, how did you do that? I just need to make sure that everyone that's listening heard something that you said, you know, yeah. teach. That, that is such a big part yeah. of coaching that my philosophy is teach first and then coach later. Mm, interesting. Okay. It doesn't matter yeah. who is in the gym. Once you're in the gym in front of a kid, you're teaching them. Right. Okay, you, you don't have time to coach. You're in college or you're playing in the NBA or you're playing professionally, then go coach. Go watch tape. Go go screen and figure out how you're going to beat a team. Okay, yeah. you're your developed kids and talent, and, and it doesn't matter who the kid is, whatever the height, race. Once that kid is in the gym, your job is to teach them yeah. every single aspect of volleyball. Yeah. There is nothing yeah. in volleyball that you can just get up and go do without learning it. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, for for LA Volleyball Club, I'm not going to talk about myself too much, but I'll just say in two two letters, J O. Okay, J O is Jason uh-huh. Olive. J- Jason Olive is this guy that had a foundation that brought basically brought homeless kids from Compton and South Central to the beach and teaching them beach volleyball a few years ago. Like if he had a foundation that was very much like Colin said, so these kids don't even think a club because their parents can't even even afford it. So he comes up to me and he says he's got this club where they arrange scholarships for certain kids who can't afford it and this and that. And then and you 
have a complete Los Angeles volleyball experience. You have kids from the South Bay. You have kids from in greater Los Angeles area. You got kids from Culver City. You got kid, a kid from South Central. And without getting into their backstories, I will say this. You have kids in, the, in that club that have a certain backstory, but when they're in the gym, they look like they live in Manhattan Beach. They, they, right. Their eyes are wild. The sisterhood is there and everyone welcomes them. And and we listen. I listen to some of the stories Jason has says, and he keeps saying, Girls like that are the reason why I coach club. Girls like that are the reason That's why right. I coach club. And Collins, Collins going right. to have That's a big right. amen in a minute. And I'm, I'll give you the floor back, Colin. But girls like that yeah. are the reason why I coach club. I mean, in secret, and you'll love this one, Leon, in secret, I think the real reason why I made a club is because his daughter came of age and, and oh, wanted God. to make sure she ended up playing D1 somewhere. Collins got a daughter. <laughs> Collins got a daughter that's going to end up playing D1. She's an absolute beast. And Jason <laughs> Jason Laala's daughter, Kayani, is – I'm coaching 16s, and she – you know, uh, for CIFs, uh, there was Division Two, but they won Division Two mm -hmm. in states. They made like quarterfinals, so not bad for, you know, Division Two where she's just it's, it's a one-hitter team. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's something to be said about having a, a girl like that. And I'll shut up about players because we're talking about coaching. But there's something to be said about having a player where the whole team knows it's going to her, and she and gets she the kill still. anyway. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Leon, and especially, especially, yeah. especially, especially, like, especially to get New that York. top player, and, and that's the thing I saw with like, yeah. you know, as a top club, to get a top player in the gym, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, in the in the club says like, hey, they're they're here, so we don't need to do anything with them. Or that's kid on the top of the song because mm -hmm. it's like you're gonna be great just because of who you are. You're six two, you can touch ten eight, like you're gonna be great because of that. You can be all world, great earth. If, if yeah. I actually pour my life into you. So, I mean, like, no kid's exempt from that, you know? I mean, it's just, uh, that's just how we've always been. But top to bottom, the kid that walks in, that like, we had a kid that was a 14, came in, I thought she was, like, 12, because she was, like, well, late. She couldn't get the serve over the net. And I said, well, let me put out my second 12s team. We'll build this thing up. And all of a sudden, the mom's like, well, no, she's, I think she was, like, 14 years old or 15 at the time. I was like, oh, I don't have a team for you, but we allowed her to keep coming in. She ended up playing on the beach and then ended up going and playing at a college, playing beach volleyball, you know. But it's like so many clubs are going to say to that kid, we don't have a spot for you. See you later. This isn't for you. But it's like, hey, I got this. If you're willing to try, but we're not going to give up on you. And it's like so many success stories. But, yeah, back to Jason, this is why we do it, you know. It's those kids, those stories that come back and, uh, yeah. you know, just All kinds of stories, right, Ashley? Mm -hmm. So many, right, Ashley? So, so many, like so many stories to tell. We gotta let the we're not gonna let a bunch of men talk over the woman, here, okay? <laughs> Especially was, a woman of your powerful personality. Story. What? Yeah, what's your? I was about to ask you about the same the same story because I'd love to hear what you got to say about what we've been talking about. Well, first of all, I love what you're doing up there in New York because you know I'm getting the feeling, especially where we are right now, that you know. It, Volleyball seems to be making a move. Club volleyball seems to be making a move that it's more about money than it is about serving the kids. And I think it's really hard. Yeah, it's a business, but you're in business to serve the kids and the families, to teach them, not to just pad your pocketbook and to get as many teams and players as you can and stuff like that. So for me, you know, I, I love when when coaches are looking at the value that volleyball or the value of being in a good positive culture can add to their lives. Because as you guys know, there's so much disconnection right now. There's so many mental health problems out there. And in my opinion, volleyball is one of those avenues that if 
the coach and the leader can create an environment that's safe and secure and learning and positive, then we can help on some level alleviate some of those pressures those kids are feeling um, both in themselves and in, in their communities at large. So I think it's great. And I mean, shout out to you, Leon, for keeping coaches for nine years. Like <laughs> that is absolutely incredible because I feel like it gets harder and harder every year to pour into the kids because of all of the nonsense that happens with the parents and the admin and the we're not winning enough or da 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 da. And it's like, well, first of all, it's not just about winning. Second of all, um, you got to take care of your coaches. And if you hire a coach, this is this is my take. I'm I'm a big if you hire someone to do a job, let them do the job. And if you don't want them to do the job the way that they want to do it, then you either need to not hire them or give them a list of how you want to handle whatever the situations and are. That's, and guys, um, and Leon, I'm, I'm going to present the question to you because that's a very good answer because that's segue to the next question. Like Leon, keeping coaches for a long time like that, one of the things I learned in the Army is you never put yourself in a position where someone else is calling the shots, but you're the one responsible. Thank you. Right? When I was in the Army, I, I had a cat. <laughs> When I when I, I was in the that. army, I had a captain, <laughs> I had a company commander that wanted me to do uh, diesel generator services every uh, forty hours instead of every one hundred hours. Mm -hmm. And when it became cost r ridiculous, and the lieutenant colonel came and was like, "What the hell's going on in your company?" He's like, he said, "Why don't you ask my generator mechanic?" So I was like, "I'm not. You know what? I got a year and a half left. You know, I I, I took my oath, and when it's done, I'm getting the hell out of here because." Uh, and no coach wants to be in a position where someone says, do it this way, do it that way, do it this way, do it that way. And then when, when it doesn't go right, the person that, that's calling the shots is not responsible. So how much do you agree or, or uh, um, I, I guess, echo the sentiments of what Ashley's saying, let, let, let the coach do their job? I mean, it's, that's a big part of it. This is what I'm, what I'm really enjoying is some of these coaches that, like, 30-year resumes coming in and coming to me and saying, hey, I've been to seven, seven clubs in Houston. I really want to get to my last club. And I've got about four or five that they've got that 20, way more years than I have. But what's going to happen is when they walk on the court at another club, the director is going to say, do it this way, more for the director's ego, you know, just to say, like, I'm telling you to do it, so you're going to do it just because I said so I'm the boss. I, you know, I, I'm not like that. So I sit and I sit alongside of them. If I have something I want to push on them, I, I'd like to see you try this out. I'm going to just approach it from the mindset of like, here's why I do it. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I see USA Volleyball doing right now with their athletes. I think it's a good method. What do you think? You know, so it's a, kind of that dialogue. But the big thing I don't do that's been uh, apart from you since the beginning is if I see something I don't like, I don't address it right away, especially in front of their athletes. And that's a big thing that coaches have said is like, man, the director came down in front of my 10 athletes and told me how much of an idiot I am. And I was like, are you kidding me? So not once would I do that, but after practice, like, hey, let's have a discussion because there's something I saw I would like to see corrected either for the culture of my club or the betterment of the athletes, you know, and, and it's just been a good approach. I mean, it's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any ego in this. Like, I, I mean, I mean, you have pride in it, you know, and things like that, but you know, we all have our ways that we want to see things, you know, done, but like that doesn't trump, you know, especially the experience of someone that, you know, as a, a professional playing, you know, resume internationally and this long coaching resume as well. Like they've yeah. done something to get to that point. So who am I to walk up and just say, you know, and, and come down <laughs> on that, you know, unnecessarily. So it's worked well. So, I mean, like 
my my my, my old timers, man, they're awesome. Like they are so fun, and when I travel with them to tournaments, but they reciprocate that back and say, "Man, this is just for 20 years. I've done this. I've never felt this way." And stars is where I'm going to retire. Like I'll never, I'll never leave. God you know, bless. That's, that's so cool. Nice, Colin. <laughs> Colin, something you wanted to add to that? Yeah, because you know that that's you know I really respect everything you've said. You know, but. Their situation, especially in our region, we're in New York. We don't have that luxury. God bless. Okay, what we have, what we have, are a few volleyball players, okay, that want to coach, but they don't understand that you cannot coach all the kids. I'm, let me stop using coach. You cannot teach all the kids the same way because there's so many kids that are different in so many different ways. I don't even want to list them because a friend of mine got fired because from from his school because he was having the same conversation with a group of kids and a few of the kids took it personal because they honestly thought that he was like body shaming them. Okay. So the, what, there's so many psychological. What did he say? Hey yeah, baby, you fat. You can't say that anymore. This isn't the 80s, no, man. Being an athlete, no, being an athlete comes in so many different shapes. Yes. It doesn't matter if you're tall. It doesn't matter. Once you're an athlete, you're an athlete. It's how you execute and learn and, and, and transition into the action that your mind is absorbing, how do you transition that? Do you let your mind control your body or let your body control your mind? Okay, yeah. so when, when I when I stand in front of a coaches and I meet with them and I get their bio and I look at their bio and I notice that a lot of them don't have coaching experience, I can't move to the next person because we don't have a next person. Right. Yeah, and, and I think... And I think, look, I have a lot of non-volleyball players that listen to this, that follow this. And I just want to say to them, we get paid to coach, but we don't, we don't get paid to care. Caring is free of charge. But I wanted to say that, <laughs> exactly. as, I wanted to say that as a caveat before I went back to what you were saying. Coaching and playing, yeah, are, two, coaching and playing are two different occupations, all right? I'm, I've been coaching for 25 years, but I didn't learn till year 10 why the, the the woman's team i was coaching did everything i asked and they still sucked right it was <laughs> it, it was and 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 it just came from and and colin knows because i'm from new york and new york we don't have people a jedi master to squire under we're players yeah. that are coaching right. and we know the x's and o's we know how to play right. we, new york is right. i mean you look at men's open nationals we're responsible for like six of the last 10 champions so we can play <laughs> we can ball uh, um but Colin's right. Colin said we have to we had to figure out a lot of things as player coaches to make the full transition as coach. And Ashley looks like she wants to say something uh, as far as them being two different occupations. Yeah, well, yes, no, but go ahead. I'm going to kind of keep going because in my opinion, I I think that there is a big gap right now in coach education. I think that. Obviously for right. USA Volleyball or Southern California, we go on and we do our impact certification and we do the, you know, sexual uh, harassment education. But for me, like, I think there's a lot of coaches and this goes back to my point where club volleyball is kind of turning into a money making machine versus a, a servant mentality. And it's like, so they fill all these teams and then they just hire coaches that are players or they're young or whatever. And these people don't really understand the intricate details of how to teach coach and lead in a way that fosters holistic development and a good team culture where everybody's working together to accomplish the same goal and so i think there's a big opening and opportunity for coach 
and teacher training in that like even if it's once a month where you're getting your coaches on a webinar and you're talking about like great things you've seen in the last month, a couple areas of improvement that you can give them to focus on or different areas of practice planning and how to you know, maximize the two hours that you get to spend with the athletes. Cause that's another area. I think a lot of these coaches, especially team club coaches, they do not do a good enough service at individual skill development. And I, I actually coach private lessons at a facility. That's how I coach. Uh, that's how I know Chris Austin. I coach at his facility, private lessons. And the, the number of kids that come in and go, Oh my God, I've never been taught this. Or the parents go, they don't get that at practice to me. Coaches need to be trained how to teach the That's individual and the team at, together. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, Girl, I, you, I think you, you hit those points right on. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I would also say, and Leon, I'm going to give you the floor for the next question, but um, I would also say there's an East Coast virtue that Colin has that comes from Bill Parcells. One, either you can do the job or you can't. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And two, you are what your record says you are. Right. So so there are a lot. There, uh, so one is one is really cold and it's not necessarily true. And the other one is I'll give you an example. Like I'm a color commentator. Right. There are a lot of people that think might think Rich Lamborn's a better color commentator than me because he won a gold medal. He's not a better color commentator than me because they're two different occupations. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got guys coming up to you. He's got oh, he forgot more volleyball than you'll ever know. But that's not the question. Mm -mm. The question is, can nope. you can you do the job? Yes teach? or no? Can right. you, when I went to Jason Olive and I went to this club and he's like, what do you bring to this club? And I said, well, the last five years I have um, 13, 13 kids that committed to, to play Division One. I. I, from 2018 to 2022, I had 13 commitments out of a 19 person group. And he's like, but can you do this job? He didn't want to he didn't want to hear about me pumping my own ego and, and exactly. talking about all these other stuff. He says, but can you do this job or not? And I said, yes. And and Leon, um, my question is, I want you to because you, you also you obviously played as well. I want you to talk talk to the audience about the importance of understanding that coaching uh, will leave commentating out of this because right now I'm the only one doing that. But leave coaching, uh, um, how coaching and being a former player coaching are two different are, are two different jobs. Yeah. 100%. And if you disagree yeah. with that, then, yeah. then then stop me right now. But if you want to echo the sentiment, do that. No, it's 100% because I get a lot of people. I, I had a lot of success as a coach. Uh, once I moved to Texas, my second, I was doing 12s. In my second year, I had the number five 12 team in the country, which was like a lot of fun. Like, and they're just phenomenal kids. Um, but people would come up to me and they say, Man, you must have been a great player. I was like, Not really. Like, I was a middle blocker at a D2 uh, club team. And so I was short at 6'2. You know, it's like, I, I just love the game, you know. So, that didn't translate into anything other than just a love for the game. And I got into coaching and kind of like, hey, this is kind of cool. What really took off the coaching side was when I was in Seattle coaching uh, in Puget Sound region, uh, some of my players were like, hey, we're training with this guy on the side. Are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah, I, I don't care who he is. <laughs> His name's Bill Neville. And I was like, okay, I don't know who that is. But yeah, so I get the chance and they said, well, come meet this guy. I'm going to meet him, you know, and again, you know, I, I was just – the man had the man made a lot of Jedi's. Yeah. That guy made a lot of Jedi's, Leon. Dude, that guy. John Mayer. And I seriously, for the next two years, I spent every available moment I had right next to Bill Neville, just learning everything I could about the game. What that turned into was like, dude, coaching is this is it. So me as a player, 
I enjoyed it because that's what I did. But me as a coach, it is completely separate, you know. So I, I do not hang any hats on my uh, playing abilities. Yeah. Let me tell you, you know, something. Just, just more about that. It was more about the beer, you know, in the bathtub. Yeah. And, you know, qualifiers for club nationals. <laughs> 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 so Leon, when I worked well, like, in a coaching, it's like, man, this is this, and then get any opportunity. So I tell people like, hey, I want to get into coaching. I'm like, find somebody that do, does it great and just stick with them. And so Bill Neville was my guy, man. I just I I, I owed so much of what I did with him, and then going into the college ranks with Brad Sandin for a few years, just a just a crazy mind of the game. Kathy Gregory. So I got around these yeah. people that just were. God fantastic bless. coaches and and develop that love for coaching and then also my own style within it so completely separate and uh you know i i, I yeah the coaching side that's that's what i love that's what i just dive into you know and i want to and now it's just turned it i want to see other coaches like i can't coach every kid in the club now so i've got to pour into these young coaches and like like you had said they're like even the good coaches they go to the other big clubs first you know, those big top 20 clubs in the region that are close by, that's where they go first. Well, I get very inexperienced coaches. And so, again, that's why I need to keep them. <laughs> you know, yeah. but we also try to train them up and say, I mean, I've got all my methods on how I train is all in a book that, that I hand them. You know, I mean, it's very well documented. And this is what I this is what I want to see. And if, you, if you're not sure, start here and, and take that and run with it. And you'll get real far with just some basic fundamentals, I'm a real fundamentals you know, Leon, I had to look up Neville when um, I worked for John Mayer at LMU, the beach team, and we yeah. had a drill called Neville. Neville's pepper. Yeah, and I'm pepper. like, what the hell is he talking? Man, I, I thought I learned some new stuff, man. I had to look it up. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't find it anywhere. And I went back to John. I'm like, what the hell do you mean by Neville? And like Aaron Mansfield was with us as well. And Aaron just goes, yeah, yeah. Should we talk, you know, should we just, should we just make Jason right keep now. looking? Should we make him just yeah. Betsy Flint, you know, so intolerant, just like, oh, geez, you know, this guy doesn't freaking East Coasters. Um, um, I had a question for Colin, but something you wanted to. Talk. I was, I was just going to quickly reiterate, in my opinion, there's something to be said that there's a, there, there's a characteristic I think good coaches and teachers have that are constantly searching for new and better information to fill the toolbox so that you can reach into it and use it for different athletes or different situations and it's a constant process of like oh i like what that coach did i'm going to use that oh i don't like that i'm going to put that away so i think that's awesome that's right yeah the minute you stop sorry jason no you stop putting stuff the minute you stop putting information in that toolbox that's the minute you need to stop coaching. Amen. Once you think you once you think you know it all, boom, step back. Yep. Yeah, that's dude. it. Or that what you learned last week is going to be correct for the next five years. I mean, thank yeah. you. Know, that's things right. change. Yeah. Not, that's right. Not, you know. I, I took a tip from theater, which is my major. Um, Lauren Bacall said acting is a lifelong process. She's like, I'm, at the time, she's 84 years old and she was learning learning stuff. You know, she's learned, she's literally learning stuff. So, yeah. uh, and the same thing, uh, I, I, I think I, I think my degree in theater performance made me a better volleyball coach and it, it was able to separate, right. it was able surprised. to separate the player from the coach and be a coach, study what a coach is and then become yeah. that. So, so, <laughs> right. So, are you a coach, Jay? No, I think I've once played one. <laughs> so uh this is a question for colin first and then um um i'll get ashley and leon back in uh the tryout process you got a kid there yeah. right now you got 
some coaches that line all the kids up against the wall, find out what height you are. You, you can be this, you can never be that. And those, and those are my least oh, favorite God. coaches. And, and Bruce uh, Bruce White out of New Orleans said, those are the coaches he fires on the spot right yep. away. Uh, um, so we can, we can skip that part because that's not what I'm talking about. Kids trying out in the process. What's one thing physically, Colin, or mentally, you can choose one or you can even or explore both or maybe give the other coaches a chance to explore both. Oh, my uh, God, um, Jason. What's the one thing what's one thing you look for in the tryout process when you when you want this kid to make a team? Go ahead, Colin. OK, so the bottom, this is it. And you guys are going to be surprised. The stuff that I have to deal with is not the stuff you guys have to deal with at, in that extent. Maybe there's a little bit, but I guarantee you one of the few things we look for is the clique, the friendship. Why are you here? Are you here because your friend is trying out? And you're trying out with your friend to be a part of the team. We have kids leave that we have selected to go play somewhere else because their friend didn't get an offer, but they, they leave to go play with their friend, not because of the coach or what they're going to get. Okay. Um, it, it, it's a, it's very tricky here, which is why my evaluation process are, that, that we instill in the coaches or evaluate everyone yeah. equally as much as possible. Okay. And then select them accordingly. We, we, we can't put them up against the wall and measure their height because everybody's the same height. Okay? We don't have middles in New York City anymore. No. The middles are a dying breed over here. Setters are a dying breed over here. Okay? Yeah. Every single player in the gym are DSs and liberos. And learn, outside. Learning how to play middle. Right <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and, but that's the thing. Yeah. And then we don't have we don't have the coaches that are willing to spend time and teach the kids. So every single kid that says yes gets signed right away. Because if they don't, they're gonna lose their spot somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Our our region are we, we say we're a small what do we have? A small a small pond with yeah. a lot of big fishes. Yeah. A few I don't I don't know what the phrase is, but we don't have a lot of option to choose from. Right. Okay. So we get the kids and when they come in, then the training and the teaching process start. Okay. And then we get, I don't want to be a middle. I don't want to be a setter. I said, we don't have a choice. We got to train everybody to set. We got to train everybody to play middle. We got, and, and, and it's such a tedious thing. And the, the better kids. Okay. Even my daughter, Jason, like you said, I had clubs, directors and coaches calling me, tell me to send my daughter to them even if it's just a tryout simply because if she goes to their club and tryout then other people are going to think oh olivia's going to this club to try out maybe we should send our kids over there too why is she leaving your club to go try man don't even get me started in that because that's a whole nother story and you guys touch a little bit of it when it comes on to the the finance the money part of it if you have money and you're trying out for volleyball in new york city mm -hmm. you are a priority for every club what say okay. what say you, Leon? Uh, Texas, what, uh, kids trying up for your team. Uh, they're going, you know, they're going through the, this battery of tests, maybe physical test and then the volleyball test. Uh, what what are you looking for as you as you you have your clipboard in front of you and and checking boxes and you decide to put the clipboard down? What makes you say I like that kid? I mean, you got a lot of uh, same same evaluation process I used when I was a college coach. I mean, you know, you got you get everything out of the ones that stand out good and bad you know so it's like i mean and i do a lot of trial prep clinics where i'm like stand out for good reasons because you can just as well stand out for the bad you know but try to kind of see like where where is the kind of the higher level athletes going but then i want to see their attitude i want to see how they interact with others like the kids that are in the clicks that are together it's like okay are these required to be together we might not look at them you know we're trying to 
you know, five kids are going to work well within our system. But I'm, I'm big on attitude. Uh, we, we had our first practice yesterday for my second location. We just started here in Katy, Texas. And um, the director for that site, he got in front of all the athletes, got them all together. He said, hey, first practice, but first things first, we are no drama. You want drama? I'll go help you find another club. You know, so we, you know, now year one, it was different. Year one, it's like, Anybody that was willing to accept me, I'm taking you because it's like we needed to get something off the ground. <laughs> we take cripples. You know, now, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, now we're able to stand up and say, like, you know, this is this is our culture. This is how we train. This is how we act. We're not a drama club. You know, we're not like parents in, you know, chirping on every little thing. It's just not that's not how we operate. So if that's not going to work for you. Then let's separate right now. You know, but mm-hmm. I want kids that are going to work hard, man. I'll take I'll take 10 kids that work hard over 10 kids that are the top athletes any day, you know, because at the end of the day, I can teach them volleyball and I'd rather take a team that's here, beat the team that's more athletic up here because I've taught them how to understand the game, how to process what's on the court, what's in front of them. You know, so my 12, I got my 12 year olds go to their middle school coaches, you know, cause that's, that's always hit and miss is they'll teach their coaches rotations because I don't teach my kid where to stand. I teach them why to stand, you know, not this person's next to me. It's like, this is a setter. This is a middle. So I got my setters at 12s, man. They're ripping rotations. Just like, Hey, scoot over that. You're overlapped over here. I mean, they, you know, but I want, I, I want smart kids, but I want kids that understand it, that seem open to that kind of um, process of learning. And they got to be tough too. I'm a high discipline coach too. So I push them right. hard. So I want kids are going to be tough. Be, be in the gym, willing to like take some intense criticism and, and, and you know, and go with that, you know, but, it's not the tallest kid that walks in the gym. Yeah, you, you know, um, I knew it was a matter of time before you asked any good coach where uh, effort uh, came into the, the, their mentality of the tryout process, right? Because it's one thing that I like. A lot of coaches think you can't teach, and if or you can teach, but it's harder to teach, or if if not impossible, right? But it's one of those things when you see a kid make effort, you're like, oh my god. I get to do my job. One less thing, one yeah. less thing to worry about. So I'm glad Leon, I mean, I knew either Colin or Leon were going to tackle that before we go to Ashley on this one. Yeah, really quickly, you said I teach them um, why to stand there, not where. And I want to add, I think a lot of coaches miss the not just what to do, but how to do it. Right. So yeah. like, I want you to pass right. the ball here and you are going to do it doing it this way. Right. As right. far as tryouts for me, like I, I miss the days that like when I was trying out for club volleyball where you just showed up and nobody knew who were who you were and the best 12 kids got called and that was that. And now I don't know what you guys, what your process is like, you know, where you're at, but a lot of times our teams are locked in two to three days before the tryout day. And it's the pre-tryout clinic right. process and all this. To me, it's nonsense because People get to play the game and then it leaves room for dishonesty. Um, but for me, the three things that I really like to talk about is work hard, um, work hard, improve and compete. So for me, the biggest thing I'll look for in a kid when I'm have them at a tryout or a clinic process is I'm going to quickly give them a, I'm going to get to know them a little bit like, hey, like what position you want to play? Like, what what's something you like to do at school or whatever? Uh, what do you like to do with your friends? And then I'm going to ask them, hey, can you make this adjustment? And I'm going to observe them for a few reps and throughout that process and see, like, did they listen? If they didn't, I'll go back and I'll say, hey, do you remember? Like, do you understand what I asked you to do? Because I'm because a kid can work hard, but if they're not listening and working to apply what you're asking, so being coachable, you're also not going to get very far with them. So for me, those three things, understanding the importance of working hard, 
improving and then learning how to compete. Um, I got this really special compliment recently where uh, this parent um, of a kid who was on my team last year um, was talking about how a lot of teams, when they play other other programs, they play down to a certain level. And he goes, for whatever reason, you have this ability as a coach to make the kids or help them compete at a level that teeters above their midline or their normal, right? So we have very few drops and more. We're playing even and higher. So we're competing against those open level teams when we're not an open team. And we're sneaking we're sneaking sets and matches away from teams that we have no business beating. But it's because of the culture. Right. It's because of the grit and the mentality and the work that they put in. So wow, boy, did I choose the right three coaches for this? Because yeah, I'm having of, a blast. The other here, two guys. coaches can say the same thing. We're in some of these games where a lot of people think we have no business beating yeah. them. Collins probably thinking, probably remembering a game like, you know, that was 15-13 game three that could have went our way. It did go our way or it didn't go our way. I, but I had the same. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 know, I could read. I could read. I could read his mind. And Leon, I know you got. Yeah, I know you man. got a it, lot of freaking stories say, to tell about no that. Chance. I said yeah. no. Nope, yeah. you had no chance and, of being that team. You walk away going, I think so. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Liam. on something great, which, well, interesting, could be just full of sidetrack, is tryouts are more formality nowadays. I right. Mean, like, yeah. tryout, the word tryout is not going to exist. Not for, not for Colin? <laughs> <laughs> no, I use evaluation. I don't use tryout. I said cool. evaluation. So, so, that's what I'm getting at. Like, so, you know, tryouts are getting earlier and earlier. Our tryouts for 14 was in June this year. Yeah. So, and I talked to, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. There was a director in Dallas that said his 11th team that was going to nationals, seven of the 12 kids were already committed to another club before they even went to the nationals tournament. That don't, so, that don't seem legal. You know, as a joke, I thought about this, like, next week I want to post my tryouts for, like, the 2028 season, you know. It's like, like, when, when, when is it? Where It's not, it's just, again, it's, it's a side conversation, but the way volleyball is going, the big business of volleyball, it's not in the benefit of the kids anymore. And that's, I don't know that, I don't know the right. answer to it, but like, you know, I had my tryouts in June because okay. that's when all the tryouts were. So it's like, you got, you kind of keep up with the Joneses on that. But I'm like, what is this madness? Because, yeah. you know, you're, you're, I got, you're I got a question there to be on a 12s team and then you're not going to see them again until November. And it's like, yeah. you know, oh. they're a seventh grade and they're going to their school team. They're going to get better. They're going to, you know, through the different rates and, they, they're not the same kid, but they tried out five months earlier. Colin, so, Colin, what was your question? My question was, the kids that you're talking about, you say you kids know where they're going and what club they're playing for. Do you still have kids coming to your club to try out even though they know they're going to play somewhere else? Typically, where we are, not, necessar not, not necessarily. Most of the time, it's kind of a... Well, they want same-day commitments, right? Well, it's... It's a, oh, yeah. once you make a verbal commitment, you are not going to any other club clinics or tryouts at the time of your commitment. So if we have tryouts right. on this coming Saturday and there's one more clinic tomorrow and you've given me your verbal commitment that you're with me, then you should not be at that clinic tomorrow before the tryout. So there are though Ooh, wiggle the room. World. There's there's wiggle room though. Like and there has yeah. been kids and parents that pull that rug in the dark hour, last hour and it's it's not. Well, great. that's what verbal commitment means. It's right. Not, Close. It's not worth. Jason, it's not worth the Jason. lips it's being spoken out of, my brother. <laughs> Jason, right, yeah. Jason, listen, listen. Man. We got kids. We have kids. I'm sorry. We have kids that know they're gonna play for a particular club. They know they commit to the club. 
But because they can pay the $100 or the $75, they go to six different tryouts. And all they do Good. is cause some mockery between all the other kids. Because they're, they're, they're technically the better kids. Right. They go to this tryout, that tryout, and all the coaches see them, and all the coaches make them offers, and they have three days. But so that's what. But that's well. Hours. At least you got three days. You can. I, we got. Do we got clubs mm -hmm. in the South Bay? You have to. If you want to join this club, you have to commit to us now. Well, be before you part, leave here. Part of that though. Can't do that here. Part of that though is the trickle down effect. So what what you're saying does happen here too, where like the kids will go and we call it bid shopping, right? It's like. Right. It's like you go chase your bid. It's it's chasing your bid for clubs and a lot of these kids and parents and families need, you know, their back their back padded where like if I exactly. get five offers, I get to choose. Well, to me oh My gosh, girl. Yeah, that's just yeah, a disservice to the kids who are actually looking for homes who might not have homes if Thank you. Right. This podcast is going to light up, dude. <laughs> this is, oh, yeah. Thank you so I much. I can't wait till people you, see girl, this. I'm telling you, you're hitting the nail. <laughs> Look at right Leon. Leon went. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot to say because I yeah. love what you guys are saying. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, wow. How do we even do that? This is great. So, for, for our tryout process, for me, I basically. Um, I have my own personal policies that, that go from the club. Like for me, if I have a, a 10 person roster or an 11 or 12 person roster, everyone on the team is guaranteed to play cumulative one whole set. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a competition club. And Jason Jail's policy is if the best players play. And if you want to play, you have to win that via meritocracy in practice. But me, I, I give one player cumulatively one whole set so they can play one set and sit the rest of the day or play bits and pieces that add up to a whole set right. and what i do is i give them that one set and they're going to want more and that encourages them more in practice via meritocracy so yep. so uh, jason was okay with it because at the end of the day the net result is they have to they, they're on the court because they deserved it because they practice hard enough to earn that right mm -hmm. like coaches right we all we all agree we ain't going to put someone in the serve if if they're in practice and they're and they're missing position one serve wide all the time or long, you're not going to put them in a game just to see if they can do it. Even though we do leave room for for players we discover that are not practice players that are actually player players. So, yeah. so that that's something I I I wanted to do is my own, my own caveat that um I think a lot of people agree with. Um, here's the third question. We're going on to onboarding. We're we're going to talk about parents and conversations. Um. All right, your kid made the team, all right? Or they, the, the kid made the team, not your kid, but a kid made your team. Now you have a parent's coaches meeting with the athletic director or whatever, or maybe the coaches are there, maybe the coaches aren't, J.O. J.O. carries the water for me because I have a blood oath uh, uh, policy with him. If it's not about volleyball, I don't care. And if it and if it becomes <laughs> if it becomes something other than volleyball, I'm out because I got uh, I'm not trying to be bragging anything, but I got, I got stuff to do. I got other things to do. So yep. so my own personal policy is some, um, I'm not required to be there. But that's not my question. My question is, as guys who you two are in administration as well as coaching. So this is a great question for the two of them. And you hang in there. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some of the things that parents have to know going into the season in regards to practices and tournaments? Um, Leon, go, baby. Uh, I mean, one is we're going to send you emails and you need to read them and respond to them. I mean, it's, it's not... 
communication. High five. Where's that high five? Uh, a, this is this is not AAU uh, basketball. Oh, wait, that was that real. Was we got a real one. <laughs> Sorry, go yeah, ahead. How did that happen? That. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I mean, like, like one of my gyms, we have a lot of AAU basketball, and that is just like all over the map. But with volleyball, it's like A, B, and C has to get done, especially with these qualifiers. Like, we don't get our hotel booked in time. I mean, it is a rush to get that stuff in, get it booked, get it checked off otherwise they'll they'll wait list your team and now you're like yeah, cancel flights and you know backtrack and, and things like that so try to stress to them the importance of we're going to send you stuff and it's going to be a lot and it's not just for our own desire to press send on an email box like you know there's very important information that needs to have but um i mean thankfully like you know my different directors are super type a so i mean like they're they're sitting there like they're on these parents that hey you didn't do this yet you didn't do this yet but um I mean, it, it, it is a load. I mean, it is a lot of information that has to go out. And so we're trying to tell them, like, one, get your information done. And then, um, you know, but then also just trying to be very, you know, you learn over the years your policies that you adapt for the parents and, like, protocols and things like that. You get to the end of the year, hey, let's change this for next year. Let's change for next year. So, you know, nine years into, we feel like we have a pretty good relationship with the parents as far as, like, you know, Here's what this is. Here's what is accessible to you as a parent, and and here's a here's a spot right. where you just like it's not your space. Let us do what our job is, right. you know, and um, and give us the freedom to do that. You know? And so, um, but right. uh, yeah, we have we have uh, you know we have full team meetings before season starts. Um, you know, four or five coach meetings before season starts. I mean, so it's uh, you know, but it, but again, you know, when we when you look at what volleyball is now, and that's a big business, it's like. Um, you know, I, I started out as a coach and I really love coaching, you know, but like now it's like I had to really learn what it is to run a business and do it well. It's the only way this is going to be successful. At the end of the day, if you're sitting there taking all this money and you're just like, hey, I cash a check, buy, buy a new vehicle. I mean, it's like that's going to squander away quickly. So I've had to learn and get my staff to like, how do we run this as a business? You know, nice. there is competition here. You know, if I don't like the restaurant I'm going to, I can go to the restaurant down the street, you know, and it's going to treat me better. And so we've got to be good. So, like, I was at the League Apps Conference up in New York, actually, uh, two weeks ago, and they brought a guy in that runs, like, the number one Zagat-rated restaurant for, like, 16 years in a row. And some people are like, why is a restaurant guy talking to sports coaches? And I was, like, glued in my seat. Like, tell me how you treat customers in a way that they keep coming back. You know, was, so was it La Grande Week? Of, uh, <laughs> was it La Grande Week? Yeah, right. It's <laughs> you know, the Parmesan cheese on top. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, and so that's, uh, it, it's not, to, it, I wish it was only about the volleyball, but, it, you know, it's got to be about the other things. You know, because right. You know, if you guys, charging, we got to do it well. All right, guys, if you heard a horn in the background, that wasn't, um, that wasn't um, Colin. That was, um, I have a one minute countdown. That I do, that I do for answers. So when I hear the horn, I want to see right. how far over, or far far over or under. Right. And normally I would have the, the the actual ticker like on the podcast, but since we're using all four cameras, Leon, man, you are right on time, man. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, you should run for office. You should be on the debate stage. I like that's that's time, and then you're finishing your last sentence. Um, Ashley. Yeah um parents onboarding meeting give me one not not a whole bunch of things but give me one or two things that you make sure your parent there if there's something the parents need to know before the season starts in regards to practices and tournaments go uh you are not always going to agree with the decisions that i make however that's right i ask that you respectfully respect my position as the coach 
and please feel free within the time frame. So we have a 24, 48 hour rule. Yes. Please adhere to the time frame and then please feel free to contact me with any questions, comments, or concerns uh, moving forward. So for me, it, I love, I try to establish open communication lines and so I can hear what my kids and what my parents have to say. Um, and I make sure that they understand that that open communication line does not mean that I'm going to acquiesce to whatever they ask of me, but that I will hear them and I will give my reasoning so that at least even if you disagree, there's an understanding or I can explain my philosophy and why I'm making decisions that I'm making. Colin, something. I, yeah. So, yeah. No, floor is yours. Same I, question. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, Ooh, no, did you hear I the horn? <laughs> She's good. I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> I heard it. No, no. I delegate. I delegate. I delegate a lot because we we cannot do everything. So I delegate a lot. I put people in different positions and then I manage them. Okay. One of the things that I like to do is I like to create a point parent for every single team, and then we have a club point parent. So things come down. And then I teach all parents that this is the chain of command. Okay. If you break this chain and you come to me directly, I'm going to direct you back to that <laughs> chain of command. Okay. And it starts with the coach. Then it goes to the point parents of that particular team and then the point parents of the club. So we get one email instead of a hundred. Okay. We send one email out That's instead effective. of an email blast. Nice. Okay, so these these huh. are some of the stuff that we try to do as much as possible, and we try to get everyone to understand that in order for us to be successful, everyone has to be on the same page. Because again, New York City, it doesn't matter how good you are, everyone thinks you have to play because you're paying ten thousand dollars to play volleyball. Nice. Yeah. So okay, so it's difficult to tell a parent that. All right, so I got a minute, and I'll just do it in, in the form of a story. Uh, prior, prior to LAVBC, I was coaching some kids out of Redondo called Evolution, Evolution Volleyball Club. Now, in Redondo High School, they have a window where the parents look, and it's way above the ground, and they're looking down like a whole bunch of wise men, like like they're going to consume you for whatever. So so I walk in. No one's ever seen me before. I just moved from New York. I got my Yankee hat, right? So I waved to the parents, hey, how you doing? And they're just... Right. So I run up. a drill called BS, just bump set to four, uh, four, right? And then approach and then take your hands and, and pitch the ball to position five. So the kids think it's easy, right? So they're, they're just like, this is a stupid drill. We, are, we have the skill. And then I'm like, just keep going. And then 25 seconds into it. Next thing you know, a set is tight. Next thing you know, the pitch to position five is going to four, right? Or going to position one. Next thing you know, the set, you know, the guy hits the net on the follow through in the set. So 60 seconds into this drill that they thought would be really easy, I was like, you guys ready to listen to me now? You want to understand the why? You know? And then um, they're like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I looked up and then the parents go. And that's the story I want to tell. And that's the point of the story. I know there's a lot of studies that 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 express the why is, is the is the most important thing in this and that. But to, to me, if you're gonna read a goddamn study, read the goddamn study, okay? So if you're gonna emphasize to the kids on the why, you can go two ways. You can make them go go through the progression and then fix it. Mm -hmm which the studies show that their self-correction is the, they retain knowledge better from self-correction than saying do it this way that way or you can go the other way so that was the point i was trying to make so in regards to my parents um it's very simple we coaches don't talk to parents period they talk to the athletic director i have my own personal policy because if the parents know i'm emotionally invested uh, um then they'll know there's not a whole lot to talk about but since parents are not allowed in practice in this club, 
then I'm no, I won't talk to him. Because if parents are in practice and your kid's not playing, he knows why. They know why. <laughs> right. If, right. if parents right. come to your practices, all of your practices, and the kid doesn't have enough playing time, they wouldn't dare. They wouldn't dare. Why isn't my kid playing? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be like. Yeah, you, you know. yeah, I'm like, yo, you, you know he you sucks. Know. He, this, is the, this is the delusions of grandeur. Just say it. Say it with me. He sucks. Yeah. Right? He sucks. Yeah, but they, they, they're not getting to that. They don't see that. They no. see they see ten thousand dollar check that they're signing or eight thousand dollar check yeah. that they're signing. But like I think what Leon guaranteed. was trying to say it depends on the club. Like I just gave you two examples. Like well, yeah. I had an open yeah. door policy as a coach to, to parents because the parents came to practice. But now that they don't come to practice, nope, don't say nothing to me. Leon, sorry, right. you. Leon looked like he had something he wanted to say before we moved on. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we, I, I think, yeah, you have a policy, and it's important to have a policy and one that you stick to. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. and, and that got evolved over time. I mean, it's forty-eight hours, and then, and then they have to wait a two-week period for whatever resolution the coach and the player come up with, and it's the player that has to initiate the conversation at fourteen U and above. It's the player that initiates. It. You want players to learn huh, that. Interesting. Aspect. So at 12 yep. 13 is the period for we'll the player. But 48 hours after the tournament, two-week period to resolve, and then you can do another one, and then another two-week period to resolve, and then the directors get involved. But it's a whole month before you will see right. one of us at one of those meetings. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I, we had a mom that was sitting there just in the corner, like, so trying to, like, so has it been two weeks yet? Because, you know, and then, and then I need to do what? And then what do I have to do? And she's just, like, wanting the exact. And I said, and I'm like, what do you want? She goes, well, my daughter's happy, but I'm not happy. <laughs> I was like, what are, we, what are we talking? You know, I mean, it's just. Well, it uh, looks like she ain't making about... the team then. <laughs> looks like she ain't going to. You'll never play yeah. for me then, lady. <laughs> so, the one good thing that came out of COVID was just like force, uh, you know, parents out of the gym. We generally don't close practices, but COVID, it was like, hey, yeah, limited number of people. So drop off and go. And it was like, it was amazing how. You know, little, those little complaints and emails just went silent. Yeah, right. I, I have a question for you guys as ad, administration and directors, and you might have some different answers based on the coaches that you have access to. But I'm curious, the situations as far as displeasure of parents, how do you handle a, a parent complaint on a coach? And at what point or what is that complaint so drastic that you remove a coach from their current duties oh that's easy i just had to do the same thing a few years ago because we have coaches policies and we have um a grid or, or a certain standard or, or what we're expecting of the coaches okay and if things get to me first before the coach come to me and said this happened or that happened or that happened then i tell the coaches i cannot have your back if you do not follow the process that we put in place for you. Yep. And if it happened multiple times, then obviously that coach don't care. Number one, they don't respect you as a director or as a leader, okay? Because they're just doing whatever they want. So one of the simple thing is you never go to a tournament and walk away and leave your area messy. Right. Okay, mm -hmm. and if you're the coach and you see that the place is messy and you allow the kids to leave, okay? And then you stay, if you stay back and clean it up, as far as I'm concerned, that's you not following protocol. All right. And if it happened again and again, and then I get complaints off the complaints and I speak to you about it, I cannot have your back because you're not following the process. Interesting. Okay. And then the other thing too is ego. If your ego is bigger than the kids that you're coaching, then we're not going to 
see eye to eye. Because I have coaches that are coaching kids that are five five and think the kids are six five. Yeah. Okay. And I say you can't coach a kid like that. All right. And and then they get, you know, upset because they're not getting what they want as a coach. When it's not about you, it's about the kids that's in front of you. That's important. So these are little things that kind of will send me the wrong way and tell a coach to go. And if a parent is complaining about it, then I have to address the coach first and get that information from the coach. And then I'll address the parents afterwards. And then I'll call the coach and the parents together and get a feedback from both of them at the same time. Nice. Leon, had your own thought or something you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's the obvious, like, you know, physical contact, we fire a coach. You know, like, there's the right. super egregious things that you don't even tolerate. But it's like the subtle ones that are difficult where the parent is like, well, the coach is destroying my child's self-confidence. And you're just like, oh, boy. I mean, that's that a common so one, many man. ways, you know, and it's like, is your kid soft? Like, you know, or is yes. there serious? You could do volleyball stand-up there. comedy. So, we all laughed at that. <laughs> no, right? yeah, it, used to, it used to just be the ball of the coach. Now it's like, you know, we got all the, you know, other nuances, but um yeah if it's one parent saying the same thing over and over and i even had a parent that complained about something i was actually assisting that coach during that tournament you know these parents don't always see my face they'll say they don't who i am and also i said right you are absolutely wrong on your assessment what's going on because i sat there watched the coach i heard what the coach said i have no problems with it well then i gotta leave your club well good luck to you bye but when seven or eight parents coming up and it's just like hey this is you know we have had to step in on that. And then at that point, we're trying to say, okay, there's probably something else here. You know, like one, per- there's always going to be one, you know, one or two in the crowd. But when it's seven or eight, they're kind of saying the same thing. And it's like, hey, this isn't a coordinated attack. This is, there's something seriously fundamentally wrong with this coach. We've got to evaluate, is that coach still in line with the philosophies that we want, you know? And so, and you got to step in. And if it's not, you just have that respectful conversation. This is what we need. If we can't do it, then let's, uh, then, you know, because I, I don't, I don't sign off competes with my coaches like some folks will, like, they're free to go anytime. They can leave next week if they want. You know, it's a very um, right. policy that um, yeah. so volunteers make the, make the best warriors. <laughs> you heard volunteers make the best soldiers. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man, that's a good one too. Yeah. You're killing me, Jason. Yeah, there's no volunteers with, on this kindness. I appreciate those takes. I, I think Jason kind of knew where I was going with that. I had a situation where um, basically the parents brought up their concern that I could not coach a high level Uh, team. And um, a couple tournaments go by where like, you know, we lost a couple matches. We end up improving in the rankings, even though we had lost, you know, the opening tournament. And then we went over to um, triple crown in Kansas city and up, you know, uprooted a top 32 team. And then I got fired after that weekend from the team. because you know i just i just couldn't win i i'm a big believer even with a talented team that yeah you want to get to a starting core because they'll develop chemistry and things like that but especially at the beginning of the season in a club in a club season that lasts eight months to me in order to drive that meritocracy you have to reward kids earlier and more often so that they want to work hard in practice because if you don't have those bottom six to 12 kids working their butts off to make those starting six better you're not going to be at the top of your game so i was making sub decisions and playing time decisions that a lot of people were like well that's not going to cut it and i'm like well here's the deal they're playing better with the decisions i'm making versus the decisions that you're telling me to make 
and and yeah so i walked away and here we are today but yeah. i was just well, curious well I'm, yeah. i moved the keyboard behind you because i'm just i just let everybody know she marches to the beat of her own tune so yeah. so, so i moved the piano the keyboard and i was gonna go bum 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 <laughs> bum bum uh leon sorry I was going to say, like, you, you never know what goes on behind the closed door either. And we don't close door a conversation with parents ever because that happened to me when I was a club coach early on. That right. the parents didn't like, same thing, didn't like what I was doing. They did a closed door meeting with the director. And it's like, you don't know if money's changing hands. I mean, who knows these days what's going on? And, and it, so many times, hey, careful, man. Careful, careful. <laughs> you look at them wrong, and it's like the, the power parents, you know, they, 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 they do that at work. But they try to do that within a club. We've got to do with a club that doesn't allow that kind of stuff. Yeah. Listen, anytime that you. Leon, anytime that you have a club, right, where you got a starting six and your core players and, and, and they're working it out and you have something that, that has something, right? And anytime you're in a game where they put someone in the game that's not a starter or doesn't have a lot of playing time and everybody on the bench and the starting lineup cheers when they come like, hey, all right, like far out, you won as a coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So here's the, uh, we have two more questions left. I want to talk about, um, someone's volume is, is really high. It's echoing what I'm saying, so I'm not sure how to fix that. But as far as improvements where in the last five years because all of us have i assume have been coaching five years or more where have you felt like you showed significant improvement as a coach um on the club level now you can answer this in regards to an age group you can answer this in regards to boys and women's boys and girls coaching or you can answer this in regards to a strength that might be your same week that might be your weakness like my strength and my weakness is i personalize my work Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not sure where, you know, if I show improvement in that, where it's going to decline the other, if, if they're both, if they're both married to each other. So, um, Ash, uh, Colin go first, Ashley second. What, where's, where, give me one thing where you showed significant improvement as a coach, uh, within the last five years, like Colin five Dude, years patience. ago, Colin's today. What's up? Patience. Patience, man. Yep. Nice. Cool, for me, man. for me, it has a lot to do with patience. I have to be very patient, especially working in this environment where, it's becoming such a business more than the development of the players where, you know, I have to really get the dust settled and then whoever is in front of me and in front of Mike in my club, you know, show a lot of patience with to develop their growth and make sure they grow the right way. So when they leave, even if we don't win, they can leave saying, you know what? I got a lot better. Hmm. Here, here. Yep. Ash. Um, for me, it's been my ability to teach and develop setters um, and therefore elevating my team. Um, I, I was a middle in high school and then I played outside right side in college, six rotations and then finished as a middle blocker my senior year of college. So um, although I begged my coach to teach me to set, um, I didn't learn to set until as an adult playing co-ed. And then recently <laughs> I've learned uh, Chris Austin's way of setting. Um, with Setter College. So for me, and, and with that, I think the biggest thing I, I would learn is a lot of coaches, I think, look for really good hands early. I'm looking for the brain. I want the kid who's smart, who can figure out how to run an offense and how and why to run it a certain way. And then I can teach him the hands and the footwork and all the rest of it. Right. right. Hey, let's go. Mr. Blazer, Coach Blazer. 
Yeah, uh, I, I think kind of like the same uh, patience. It's uh, when I first started coaching, it was like, I am who I am, fit into my mold, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, right. I don't create a 12 person individualized, but I do recognize that there's some kids that handle pressure differently, that handle toughness differently. You know, like some kids love it when I'm just pushing them and pushing them, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And they just, they love, they love that environment, you know. Uh, and some kids, they just, you know, they want a little, they want, they want to talk about it. So I'm going to sit down and say, Hey, what do you see that we're going to really get into the mental aspect, the visual side of what they're seeing, you know, why they did what they did and things like that. And they love it. Like when I bring them off and they sit next to me and I have that side-by-side conversation and what are you seeing out there that energizes them. Some kids like they, they, they couldn't care less, you know, like about that. But they want to, they want to just hear the, they want to get here to get it energized and excited and push them to do something great, you know? And so I've developed an approach that it's more malleable, I guess, you right. know, versus, you know, again, early on, it was like, you can't, you know, if a kid quit, they're like, ah, oh, they just can't handle it, you know, like, or but that, that's not, I, that's not an approach that works for all, you know? And so just, you know, I want, I want, I want all kids to walk away loving the game, you know? Nice. Um, and, and just, like uh, and being able to connect well with the kids because they're, they're different personalities. So, I think that's what makes it seem good. Can I add something really quick? Go ahead. Um, I want to add something else I've really, especially coming out of COVID that I've tried to work really hard at is making sure that within the first 15 minutes of a practice or a lesson that I've learned something interpersonal about them um, and I've given them something to work on or improve on for that practice because then it kind of sets the tone that I care, number one, and then number two, it gives them a focus for something that they can get better at. Right. Look, I've been coaching for 25 years at the club level, the high school level, the, the NCAA level, Division One and three, all the way up to professionals. And I couldn't believe how long it took me for, to understand the difference between girls volleyball and boys volleyball. <laughs> this, this, this inherit, this, this respect for the sisterhood and this respect for not calling out a girl that makes the rest of the team alienate her. The importance and the value is, has been, is, is the common denominator of girls volleyball. Guys, you give them a kick in the butt, they follow a leader. You know, we, me and Colin, we're for, former players, right? If someone kicks you in the butt, you just follow the leader and you go. And from year 10, uh, 15 years later, I've become a, a little better version of myself understanding, hey, that's your sister. You don't talk to her like that way in front of, you know, you, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so I'd rather have them all united hate, hating me, but I need, the importance that that, that that ship rides together is the single most important thing that, that I learned about v- v- girls volleyball that I continue to be a better version of myself. So with, with, with the horn already sounding, um, instead of telling them to do something, <laughs> presenting them their options is important. And Leon will appreciate mm. this one. For example, there's a ball that goes off of a player and the second person tries to pursue it uh, and then she stops in the middle of the pursuit right the old jason would be like you know i'm i'm not going to call any names or hey you got to keep going let's go what are you doing or you can say this and leon you'll you'll appreciate more this more than uh, the other two coaches or, or just as much um what percentage probability do you think i had you had a touching that ball and she'll go 20 percent I'm, I'm like 25 and she's like how about 22 i'm like cool here's my second question what's the probability if you don't go at all mm. it's zero zero <laughs> so when you make kids answer their own question and at the same time you're not That's you're not right. really clowning them you're just 
making them make sense. And at the same time, you you say and you're still saying it from an an authoritative fashion, right? Mm -hmm. But you're not. But I'm not. You're not all the way up here like an a hole like I am sometimes. My ego makes me talk from up here so so much, which is a weakness, you know, huge weakness that I'm still trying to get over. So I wanted to present that. So um, we have. Last one. The last one is a 60 second lightning round, but we have one before this and we're out of here. Okay. What is the easiest thing to teach in the age group you're coaching, Leon? Fundamentally. Wow. Out of the six fundamentals, setting, what's the one that comes at a player's fastest? Serving, setting, spiking, blocking, digging, or passing? I I say passing. I mean, like during during the little kids, it's all about the passing. So we just, we get it going. I've come up with a method for like teaching the passing to do it well. Because if they can get the passing well, it just starts everything else really. really yeah, you know? nice. Serving is a tough one because there's so many dynamics at play for the kid that doesn't have the strength to get a ball over. So that's a whole, you know, kind of kind of progress. But passing, we get those kids passing really, really well, really fast, early on, and that's a great nice. foundation. Colin, fundamental. I mean, for me, for your yeah, age, the, the, the age group you're coaching, what's the one that comes the easiest? As as far as tweaking, right across the board. Yeah. Right across the board. I First of all, I teach the kids to understand the most important skill in volleyball, and that's the ability to use your eyes. Okay? Um, when you ask kids what's the most important skill, what's the most important skill you could have in volleyball, they tell you passing, setting, hitting. Sir. No. It's the ability to use your eyes. So I always teach kids, focus with your eyes. Recognize what's coming at you. Think about what you're seeing. Learn to process what you're seeing. So if I if I tell you, to, this is how you pass a volleyball. It doesn't matter how many times I tell you, but if I don't show you, mm-hmm. it's 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 like a whole different mindset. So, so one demonstration is always better than a thousand. So are you talking so about? To use your eyes. So you're talking about watching the ball into your arms? Or are you talking about vision? No, no, no. You're no, talk, no are you ability, are you talking about vision or visualization? You're talking about exactly. something in your vision that becomes your visualization. Well, no, he's there talking about what you're looking at too. Like, are you looking at what the person's at well? body? Are you looking at the hand position? Are you watching to look for the peak of the ball's mm. flight so that you know how it's going to come back down? That's what I heard yeah. from that. I like it, but it, that's but, exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah. For me, um, I I was gonna go first hit with with Leon. First hit is the most important thing because you can't run an offense, can't learn how to set, can't learn how to hit if you can't have some kind of thing that goes within a setter's box where you can run an offense. But I really really like Colin's thing. But I want to a piggyback off of that vision to visualization. You see something with your eyes. Like let's say I want a kid to hit a spot. They need to see the spot. Once it's in their vision. They don't have to look at it anymore because it's in their visualization because people mm-hmm. move all the time. But does the spot stay there the same? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that was yes, piggybacking dude. off of a point that you probably already made. But I, I like, that, yeah, that's not easy, though. No, I, I don't know if I call it easy. That's, that's no, that's lot. hard. <laughs> you, you, can, you can see the ball, but to see it and process well what you're seeing. That, no, that's no, I'm with you on first hit. No, because I'm the second question. <laughs> no, but Leon, the second question is what's the hardest? And I went first on that one. So the hardest for yeah, me is vision and visualization. Like yeah. And serve at every freaking level. I you think serving is the easiest. Sir, all the way to the serve. Olympics. All the way up to the Olympics. <laughs> serving is the toughest damn thing, man. From from 10 years old to serving 25-0 to the Olympics to France who won set five for the gold with zero reception errors against the best serving team in the country. So how about that? So um, uh, toughest thing, Leon, go. 
Uh, kind, of, kind of what you just said there, a key to something I think is very, very difficult, but is how do you create being down 24 to 22 and you're the server? How do you create that situational stuff in practice, the pressure of the moment so that the kids, when they're in that moment, don't fail? You know, I don't know, fail is not the right word, but don't get inside uh, of themselves about it. Yeah, you know what I mean? So right? it's like creating those pressure moments, creating that hey, we got game point for a national, you know, to get a bid and go to JOs, and you're jumping as an outside hitter with that big swing to finish it for your team, third set of 14-13, and you put it away, and you just, you know, full confidence. How do you create that in a uh, in a practice setting? And that, I, you know, that's been, that's been fun to wrestle through. That yeah. is challenging. Ash? For me, I think the most difficult skill to teach is blocking. Um, I think it is so... There's so many details and small things that can happen and that do happen for you. Like it's your timing, it's your footwork, it's the approach line, it's the tightness of the ball. It's, you know, can the hitter, does the hitter have a, a live wrist or are they going to hit straight? So for me, it's blocking. I, I think I can teach it a lot easier than I used to be able to perform the skill because um, I see the game differently and can communicate it differently. But to me, that's the hardest by far. Colin? Um, for me, it's processing. I mean, as a kid, you, as a coach standing on the sideline, you can process a lot faster based because of your experience. But the kids can't. And when they're on the court, they see stuff at their pace. And it doesn't matter how much you call tip or you call line or you call roll. By the time the information get into their head and then transition into action, the ball is already on the ground. So processing is very difficult, I think, um, to get the kids to understand. And then, you know, just create an environment for me just to, um, you know, what Lynn was saying is, you know, I would have the kids run like 10 sprints and then say it's game point. Everybody go to the back line. You got one serve to make and it's a game serve. And they're, they're, they're gassing for oxygen. Okay, like and it. they have to make the serve. And I tell them, if you don't make it, you got to run again. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things to get them to understand how to process the situation or the position they're in. And that's where coach teaching is so important because, like you said, man, you have to find ways to create that environment. If you can't find it, hey, man, you guys got my information now. Reach out. Trust yeah, me, I got material me, that would blow you all mind. For me, I turn consequence into reward. Like, to me, if someone gets that's an right. ace, they, they do a sprint. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because they get they they get to beat the previous time of the other person, and then another girl. Next thing you know, the girls are like, "Can I go next?" The next thing you know, what was a punishment or a consequence drilled for some coaches is now a reward, where the girls are begging you, "Can I go next?" And I'm like, "No, you have to earn it. You yeah. have to get the ace." Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, right. "And I'm like, wow, this guy is teaching girls to earn the right to do suicides or do do." Hey, do, hey, man! If you can do that, man, that's amazing. Ooh, it's all, it's all like, under the Yankee hat, baby. <laughs> yes. He's a weird one. Oh, my God. We are. Dude, man. let me we're tell just, you. We're just we all kinds have that of luxury, man. We, yeah. we got to create some crazy scenarios just to get these girls to even yeah. do what you're asking them to do. But I like, be creative I like, up here. I like what Leon said about a, pre, uh, a, a half hour ago about um, players intellectually processing stuff. Like some a smart right. player that gets it is, is going to eventually – outlast some no. of these athletes or whatever and this and that yeah. and colin you know i was coaching um in new york before i left i was coaching hunter high school right mm -hmm. which brings new new meaning to the term smart kid school they they lead the yeah. nation this school leads the nation in cumulative sat scores and ivy league application right. acceptance for 15 right. straight years number one and and eventually i'm like yo 
if I can't, if these kids can't win a PSAL under me, I, I, I shouldn't be coaching, <laughs> you know? And, and they made me look, they made me look good. 38 and one record, blah, blah, blah. So last round is called the lightning rounds. These are non-volleyball questions and we got 60 seconds combined to knock them out. Mm-hmm. Everybody ready? Born I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Um, and we're going to go around the horn clockwise. So it's going to be Ashley, Leon, and then Colin, then me. Okay. All right, go. Favorite comedian? Dane Cook. Uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Dave Chappelle. Last good book you read? Uh, the Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. Mm. Uh, free to leave. Oh, was she where, to leave? Where is- Go. Where's my Where's my mother? Written by me. It's on Amazon. You guys should go check it out. Ooh. Oh, nice. The <laughs> my, mine is a hate ink written by Matt, Matt Taibbi. Um, Marvel or DC? Oh, Marvel. Oh, uh, Marvel, dude. Leon. Yeah, Marvel. I go Marvel. Uh, pool or Marvel. beach? Pool or the beach? Beach. Don't ask me that. <laughs> if you saw the beaches, you'd know I'd say pool. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a beach any day, man. Hey, I, New I'm York. in Santa Barbara. I'm in Santa Barbara, so I moved from yes. Santa Barbara to Houston. You go to Galveston Beach, man. It's yeah. It's just not the same. New yeah. York, I was pool. Uh, now I'm in Hermosa Beach. I'm the beach. Yeah. Uh, um, no. Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Harry Potter. Lord oh, of the Rings. Sorry, guys. Lord of the Rings. Good, good Lord. Lord of the Rings, man. Good Lord. I don't really like Lord of the Rings at all. <laughs> uh, bur- bourbon, vodka, or tequila? Ooh, vodka. Boy. Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond. Vodka. Bourbon. There we go. <laughs> Favorite sport outside of volleyball, be it spectator or player? Oh, outside of volleyball? Ashley, go. Mm, football? <laughs> frisbee. frisbee ultimate frisbee go Deadly track on. and field track Minus. and field. mixed martial arts um <laughs> favorite action film star growing up action wow. film star uh probably i'll go first i'll go arnold does bruce, does bruce willis count absolutely die hard yes <laughs> what that's my answer leon yes that'd be arnold man Jackie Jackie Chang. Jackie Chang. Yes. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? (laughs) Don't understand. (laughs) That's Chris Tucker. Uh, Oh, yes. That was a good one. Jackie Chang actually did it back to him. Here I am, Michael Jackson, and you are Toto. (laughs) Man, that's Tito. Toto's what we have for lunch. All right, so um, guys, let's plug our, our website, our IG handle. People want to know more about your club or what you've been up to. Ashley, you go first. Go. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Coach Ashley C. Colin. Oh, All Star Empire Volleyball Director at gmail.com or All All Star Empire Volleyball Club dot org. You give me at Leon at HoustonStars Our website is HoustonStars Cool. And I'm, I'm Jason DeBeas, but LA Volleyball Club is very easy to find. Google search Los Angeles Volleyball Club. It's 22,000 searches a day. It's very easy. To, it pops up. Google Google's our friend for, for LAVBC, but not my friend when it comes to my, comes to my conspiracy rabbit holes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
for all of you at home, these coaches might love you, but me, I don't love any of you. In fact, I can't stand you, all right? In fact, we're out of here. So for all of you at home, for all of you on your desktop, for all of you on your iPhones and iPads, for Colin Henry out of New York City, Respect. for Leon Blazer out of Houston Stars, for Ashley out of the South Bay representing Surfside, I'm Jason DeBiss, LAVBC. Um, this is episode 192 of The Option, and we are out of here. Out. Peace. Come check out The Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear. It's hard surviving the mean streets of Hermosa <laughs> Beach. <laughs> I hear that, man. All right, so...